0: You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month here on KFUO and continuing the series today. As we head to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but really Uh this is a a national story as we take a look at the LCMS Hispanic National Convention today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us today, the Reverend Herman Novelli, Jr. He's pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and president of the LCMS Hispanic National Convention. Pastor Novelli, welcome to the Coffee Hour.
2: Hi, guys. It's good to see you. Well, it's good to hear about you. (laughs) And I would like to say hello to all the people that faithfully listen to your program. I'm glad to be here.
0: Thanks. It's It's good to have some time with you. And yes, sorry, we don't get to see you this time. It was yeah. wonderful to have you in the studio a few years ago, yeah. um, but so grateful that we have some time to chat with you this morning and learn more about the LCMS Hispanic National Convention. So share with us about the history of Lutheran Hispanic ministries in the United States.
2: Yes. Well, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with Dr. Albert Garcia. He's one of the pioneers or the first Hispanic leaders we had in our Lutheran church. I'm talking back in the 70s. And we were talking about the history. And the history in the Hispanic ministry has been full of great moments. It started back in 1906 in California, where a couple of pastors who wanted to reach out the immigrants or in the Mexican community or Spanish-speaking community, they started ministry down in California. And then in Texas, the Hispanic churches started back in 1926. Our records show evidence that in Florida, for example, the reaching out of the Hispanics started in 1910. So as you can see, we have been around for more than 100 years in our church and, and doing amazing things. So that's kind of the history. And But they all, these all started individually. These were pastors who saw a great need of bringing the gospel to a Spanish-speaking people. And they said, well, we have to learn Spanish. We have to do some effort here and work with them. And that's how all these ministries started. Later, with the years, of course, support from the Synod camp and from some districts as well. And and that's how the Hispanic ministry has been growing up in recent years. But at the beginning, at the very genesis of all this, all started with individual efforts coming from different pastors who saw a great need and they wanted to share the gospel of Jesus with Spanish-speaking communities.
1: And thanks be to God for those pastors and for the the ministry that they started a a very long time ago, Uh, and that ministry has been able to continue and and grow and uh, a lot of collaboration too. So how did the, the Hispanic National Convention come about
2: well, that started back in the 70s. Some Hispanics leaders were coming together and and also known Hispanics leaders who wanted to do something with Latinos, because sometimes we think about Hispanic ministry, about though only Hispanics doing this. And the truth is that there are a lot of people who are not Hispanics. Many of them don't even speak Spanish, but they have a beautiful heart to reach other people, other ethnic groups. And and they start having these conversations. And there is, or there was a meeting in October 1976, down in Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, where a few pastors, Pastor Albert Garcia, Agapeto Rojas, Jesus Martinez, Julio Orozco, Herbert Sims, Eugene Gruhl, and others, they met at Concordia Seminary. And they start having these Hispanic conferences. At the very beginning, it was only a few people coming together every two, three, four years. And then they started big Hispanic conferences. Some of them happened in Milwaukee, others in St. Louis, in Florida, and also in Chicago, a city that, by the way, became like at some point like the headquarters of them or, or the main point when we talk about LCMS Hispanic ministries here in the States. So Chicago was the place where, for example, the theology Hispanic Theology Institute started many years ago and then became the center for Hispanic studies. So they did a lot of these conferences in the 80s and in the 90s until in the early 2000s, they changed the name of these national gatherings and they called the first Hispanic National Convention and next year we will celebrate the 7th. We were planning in doing that celebration this year, but because of COVID, we had to postpone it one year and it will take place next year, August the 2nd to the 5th, 2022 in Orlando, Florida.
0: Hmm. So th- how often does the, the convention meet, the LCMS Hispanic National Convention? Every three years.
2: We meet every three years. The last one was in 2018, down in Houston, Texas, in that one, I was elected as the president. And it's not just me. We have a board, uh, Pastor Juan Zamora, who is the vice president. He served in Dallas area in Texas. We have Pastor Nelson Rodriguez, who is a pastor in Houston, Texas. And we have a deaconess who is also part of our board. She's deaconess Erika Hofre, and she serves in the area of Colorado. And myself, who I'm here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: So truly a national convention serving all over the nation. What happens at the Hispanic National Convention?
2: Right now we have over 100 ministries or Hispanic ministries happening across the country. And along with that, we have uh, a lot of people, a lot of districts, a lot of cities who are saying we would like to start Hispanic ministry in our area. So the Hispanic National Convention is always the place in which we all come together. It's a national gathering which people who are working on Hispanic ministry, people who want to start Hispanic ministry, leaders of districts, synods, agencies that work in our LCMS church nationwide come together to learn more about Hispanic. And when we think about what happened. Well, I will say three things. Number one, fellowship. Our walking together happens in our national Hispanic conventions. We come together for fellowship, to know each other, to organize as a group. And and that is fascinating. The other thing is obviously education. We come to the Hispanic National Convention to, to learn together to see how we can improve, to to start working in our Lutheran Hispanic identity. And, and that's something that, that happens in our in our Hispanic convention. And the last yet not least thing, it's we do a lot of planning. We dream together about what we want to do, where we want to go, how we want to do it. And that's why I say that the Hispanic National Convention is always a great place in which pastors, leaders, church workers, professors can come together and and celebrate our Hispanic culture and also understand our Hispanic ministry and plan together. So fellowship, education, and planning are walking together, are learning together, and are dreaming together.
1: Sounds like a, a great experience for all of these people to come together. You mentioned that these, these ministries happen across the country. Can you give us some examples of, of ways that people are serving across the country in Hispanic
2: ministries? Yes, the Hispanic population is huge we are right now the largest minority or ethnic minority in the state after the Anglos or the Caucasians. So, but we know that Hispanic ministry or the Hispanic populations are huge in areas like California, uh, Texas, or Florida, and, and also in the East Coast, in big cities like uh, New York City, and of course, in the Midwest as well. So There are a lot of things that are happening. I just came from LA area last week. The Pacific Southwest District started or established a new Hispanic circuit with more than 30 ministries that are coming together to grow, to serve better, to learn together and and to walk together. And and that's uh, amazing when we see that kind of things. The District of Texas is also doing a huge effort to reach out Latino communities and to plant new churches. I will say that in, in the district of Texas is where we have more new Hispanic ministry happening right now. So um, there are a lot of things that are happening. New churches are being planted. New ministry are right in the beginning. And, and we can see that not just in Hispanic ministries itself, but also we can see that in in other places. I had a very interesting meeting last week with the president of Concordia University in Texas, Dr. Christian, and he was telling me how excited he is about making of Concordia University in Texas a place where Hispanics can go and, and develop themselves and grow, and how the, that university and the campus would like to see more Hispanics coming, and they are doing beautiful efforts to to accomplish that. So it's amazing what's happening there, what's happening across the country, and, of course, there are still a lot of things that, that we need to do uh, nationwide.
0: Where are there growing needs for Hispanic ministry?
2: Just like our church everywhere in the world, and especially here in the United States, I will say we need pastors. We need church leaders. The harvest is plenty and their workers are still few. As I said, there are initiatives happening in the Midwest, in the South, where we will love to start new Hispanic ministries and new church plantings. And we would like to see new things going on, but we are still looking to recruit new leaders, new pastors. and, And I believe that we need to do an effort to bring together, uh, of course, our LCMS districts, both of our seminaries, uh, and the Synod's leadership, of course, coming together to develop a plan for Hispanic ministry. As I said, right now, the Hispanics are the largest minority in the United States, and there are around 60 million people, and that makes of the Hispanic a huge mission field that we need to consider in our church and that we have been considering in our church.
0: We're learning about the LCMS Hispanic National Convention and Hispanic Ministry today from the Reverend Herman Novelli. He's a pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We have more to learn in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Today we're talking with Pastor Herman Novelli Jr. He's pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're learning about the LCMS Hispanic National Convention and the wonderful ways that he and many colleagues are serving in Hispanic ministry around the country. Pastor, you shared with us some examples of where the Hispanic ministry is happening and where there are great needs in Hispanic ministry. Where do you see it thriving and, and what is important for Hispanic ministry to thrive today?
2: That's a wonderful question. And when we were elected as the board of director of the Hispanic National Convention and leaders of this initiative, we had a lot to do as far as organization. And because, yes, we knew, we knew a lot of, about we were I mean, we are over a hundred churches and leaders and and we knew each other pretty well because we have been around pretty well. Even those new coming new people coming and serving the Lord. However, we were not organized at all. We did not know where we were, how we were doing. So the first thing we started doing it was to try to organize the Hispanic ministry. Identify where our leaders were, what their the situation in which they were serving, their context was all about. And and we tried to create a directory of Hispanic churches or Hispanic ministries nationwide. And and then we created with the support of some district presidents and and, and of course the synods and 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 a lot of leaders in our church, we created the Hispanic Missionary League that hoped to become soon an LCMS RSO, we started the process to do it, but we want to wait until our next convention to make that happen. So I will say that the creation of the Hispanic Missionary League is a, a first step on all this of when we talk about organizing our church and, and doing new things for the Hispanics because we will b- bring an, a space in which we'll be able to come together, to learn together, and also to, to start planning together. Similar of what we try to do with our national convention. So to know more about the Hispanic Missionary League, you can visit our website, which is hispanoslcms.com. And, and there you will find that directory we created. You will find more information about us, what we do, and, and, and all in the ministries in which we are involved. The second thing that we are doing is the... Primer Paso Initiative. Primer Paso stands for, or means, a first step. People say that the first step is the hardest to to give or to do. So this is a recruitment initiative in which we are working nationwide to recruit new leaders, identify new people or potential students that can go to the seminary and, and become future pastors or church leaders or deaconesses, either in St. Louis or in Fort Wayne or in Concordia uh, University in Irvine. So um, with this initiative, we are trying to recruit people that they will be able to come and and go to the seminary and and make the seminary a, a possibility for many of them. And and we hope that in the next few years we can see a lot of Hispanic students going to our seminaries to to become pastors of our our church and become leaders. So and I have a lot of faith on in this initiative, and I'm working hard. I'm also an SRA ambassador for the seminary recruitment in in Saint Louis. So and, and my work is actually that bring Hispanics to come to Concordia Seminary Saint Louis and and make a career a pastoral career there. And there are districts doing a beautiful effort. I want to highlight the work that President Mike Newman is doing in the District of Texas or President uh, Gibson is doing in Pacific Southwest because it's amazing. And a lot of districts are doing wonderful things. I'm in contact with so many district presidents at this point, a mission executive who are doing great things, great things in Kansas, in Missouri, in in. Florida and Georgia. So they are doing wonderful things, and we hope that, that that kind of work can continue in the near future so the Hispanic ministry or the Lutheran Hispanic ministry may continue thriving this day.
1: And that list of ministries... On the page is very long. Lots of lots of great things happening across the country. How have you seen in your own work? I know you've been in Milwaukee for for a little while. How have you seen Hispanic ministry really changing people's lives? Just in your in your own context, the things that you've worked with.
2: Yes, you know, Sarah and and Andy, when we think about Hispanic ministry, there are two things that always come to our mind. Number one, that it has to be in Spanish because that's the language that Hispanics, Hispanics speak. And number two, that we have to work with immigrants. And, and the truth is that, yes, we love working in Spanish or in Hispanic context with Hispanic and Latino families. We love that and we continue to do that. And, and it's amazing. However, here in Milwaukee, and, and, and I have been visiting a lot of places lately and I'm starting to see the same thing all over the places, that we have to start working with second and third generations. These are the people who are the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of Hispanic immigrants who are now living in the States. They are U.S. citizens. They speak English. They even don't like soccer. They like football, American football, which is something that I can't believe. And, and they eat burgers and barbecue, and, and they don't like tacos and things like that, but they are still Hispanics. So that's how I see that the Hispanic ministry is changing in the States. We are now working with the second and third generations. And this is the same thing that happened in our church many, many, many years ago when our German churches were becoming more English churches because they had to serve and bring the gospel to second and third generations of German immigrants. So it's the same thing with the Hispanic communities. And also, blend the families. I have two sisters who are married to two Anglos, to we call them the gringos of the family. And, <laughs> and they wanted to come to church, but then they had this debate, where are we going to... Uh, Spanish only congregation or to an English speaking congregation. So what to do? They were like in between. So a lot of Hispanic churches are giving people the opportunity to come and worship God in a bilingual context with our Lutheran identity, but also serving those uh, blended families and multi-ethnic generations of Hispanics and, and communities. So so it's 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 wonderful. It's it's great. I only think about it and I say, wow. It's amazing what what a lot of pastors are doing. And now with uh, the pandemic situation, it it, is also amazing how we can see these Hispanic pastors learning how to use a cell phone camera and putting together a worship service and and bringing people to the faith online. That's another way in which we are growing, and that's another way in which we are saving the Hispanic families.
0: It's beautiful to hear about ministries bridging over generations Mm -hmm. and and cultures and and some cultural identities as well. That's really beautiful. You mentioned bilingual ministries. Can you unpack that for us a little more for those of us who have not been in a setting or in a context like that? What does that look like, say, on a Sunday morning? What does a bilingual service look like?
2: Let me put my own congregation as an example. Mm -hmm we are trying when when i sit down every week with my organist to plan the service and we are doing a huge effort to pick hymns that are bilingual or that the tunes and the melody can uh, and the lyrics can fit in a bilingual context and right now, uh, a lot of people are, wor- are working and talking about this new El Lutheran hymnal that will come out in Spanish because it has a lot in common with the Lutheran service book, which is used in a lot of Anglo congregations. So number one, we try to pick music, worship music that is bilingual, so both. English-speaking people and Spanish-speaking people can come and sing together. So we have two stanzas in English, one or two in Spanish, and 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 that's how we do it. For the Bible lessons and the gospel reading, uh, instead of doing the gospel and read the gospel in the two languages, we say, well, let us read a Bible lesson from the Old Testament or from the letters of Paul in in Spanish and then the gospel is read in English. However, in their bulletins, people will find all the words and and everything in both languages. And the other thing that we have seen in many places is that we have pastors preaching in two languages. And in our own congregation, something that we did a couple of years ago is that we have now a translation system. So for example, I preach in English, believe it or not, every Sunday morning. And when Hispanics who speak only Spanish, which are very few, they come and they take a, a set of headphones and they will use those headphones while in church. And instead of hearing my voice, they will be hearing all I say in the voice of a translator who is doing the live translation. So we are not repeating those, everything in the service, but people who speak Spanish only can hear the whole service in Spanish only by using these devices. And of course, to give a sense of community, to give a sense of, hey, we care about you and your culture. We are doing parts of the service in both languages, especially in Spanish and English, so people can can understand all that's taking place in our worship service. And it's not only about that people can understand. It's also about, because when you do an effort to speak the other language, you are also sending a message. You are telling people, hey, I know you are here. I want you to know that I care for you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm happy that you are here in this church and because this is your church and you are part of this as well. And this is what we have been doing in in our congregation. There are a lot of people who are not fans of having national flags in churches, but in the backside of our church, we have the flags of all the nations that are being represented in our congregation. We did a survey and we have the flag of Poland, Germany, Finland, Italy, which were the first people who joined our church uh, many years ago. And now we have Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Mexico, To show people that, hey, we are coming from all these places, coming together, gathered by God, gathered by the Holy Spirit to come and and worship the Lord. And and, and that kind of things, that little things you do, those little efforts you do are the ones that people will see, people will appreciate, and people will feel joyful in being part of a multi-ethnic congregation or bilingual context.
1: That is really cool. Uh, the way you're able to do that and bring people together, all all together to to worship in this in this way, uh, even though it's maybe in multiple languages. Where can we find more information again about both Hispanic ministry in the U.S. and the and the national convention happening next year?
2: Yes, if you want to see to to know more about it, you can uh, follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page which is Seven Hispanic National Convention. You can also visit our website, which is hispanoslcms.com. You can get connected to me in the email of our league, which is hispanicministry.lcms at gmail.com. And remember, our convention will take place in Orlando, Florida on 2022. The dates are August the 2nd to the 5th in 2022. 2022. And this convention uh, will be English-friendly convention. We call it like that because we want people who have no idea about, about Hispanic ministry or even they don't speak any Spanish. They want people to come and be part of our convention, learn more, and get involved in Hispanic ministry. So, I hope to see you all coming together to our next convention, which will take place in Orlando next year, August the 2nd to the 5th in 2020, 2022.
0: Our guest today, Pastor Herman Novelli, Jr. of Grace Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and president of the LCMS Hispanic National Convention. Pastor Novelli, thanks so much for being our guest on the coffee hour.
2: It was my pleasure. Good to hear you, and I want to thank you for the time.
1: I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Gossett.